Hey everybody, welcome to this week's episode of Dude Soup. We are pre-recording this episode on Monday, June 15th because we have some guests and then also all the big news that came out over the last week. We've gotten a handful of substitute E3 press conferences, all digital of course, since the actual physical event was canceled. Uh, the PS5 reveal event, Guerrilla Collective's three-day game event, the PC gaming show, the future game show. We can't talk about all of the games, but we can talk about some of the ones that struck a chord with us. And today, I have a special group to talk about that. Of course, you love him. He's a fan favorite. He's got a cat, Adam Kovic. Hi, thanks for having me. Cat's getting crazy. Sorry. Cats. Hey, how's it going? Cat's getting crazy. The games are going to get only crazier, Adam. Okay? Thank you. You know that. <laughs> Next up, he's a games media ingenue. Okay, you know him for his wonderful Twitter puns. I, I, there's, there isn't Timur that I could say about this guest to sell him. It's Timur I'm, Hussein from GameSpot. I'm so happy that you did that for me. <laughs> <laughs> I had, there was no other way. There was Thank no other so way much. around it. <laughs> Thank you for being here, Tam. I usually Thank only get to see you on. about once a year, but because of the pandemic and we're all digital now, uh, I get to in enjoy your company this way. Thank you so much for having me. I'm excited to be here. I love Dude Soup, so. <laughs> oh, thank, thank you. Thank you. And Dude Soup loves you. Yeah. And of course, who could forget? We couldn't. Uh, this woman. Why'd you have to look at your script? <laughs> I don't have you a know. script. It just says you Lucy know her James name. and Tamor Hussein join us. That's all it says. It's just a picture of us. <laughs> it's fun. She's. You know Lucy. Come on. She's got a shelf with comic books and a and TV. none of them are mine. <laughs> <laughs> they are it's all like, Greg Miller's because I am I was, his roommate. <laughs> wait, is that true? Yeah. yeah, well, yeah. Uh, he's right in there. He's recording PS I Love You right Shirtless, now. Shirtless, as usual. I, no, he, is, I, he I, does wear a shirt. I forget Sometimes. that everyone in San Francisco lives in three different houses. It's, oh, yeah. it's just how expensive yeah, it is. It's all the it's Winchester crazy. mystery house that they all have rooms in. <laughs> well, when I moved um, here, I almost moved in with Andy, Cortez, oh, and Barrett. Oh. So one of the three predetermined gaming houses wow. available in San there Francisco. There can only be one. <laughs> anyway, she's our games media maven, Lucy James. Thank you for being here. Hey, Lucy. Thank you. Hi. So great to see I, you guys. I miss you. I we I miss you too. I can't speak for Adam. Can't that, speak for him, I, but you I speak miss for you me both. too. Oh, we get to see Lucy every E three, and now sometimes the game awards too. Every usually, once in a while, game awards. So. Yeah, usually once a year, Lucy, Tam, and I plan to have an awkward dinner. Not awkward mm -hmm. by our conversation, but usually by the restaurant we choose. Oh yeah, uh, yeah. Which <laughs> like is the never. world's most empty restaurant. Yeah, I like that, that place though. You can hear the conversation that way. Mm. Exactly. You can hear the conversation of other people. You can hear the wait staff kind of talk about us hovering. in the background. Yeah, yeah. hovering yeah. around you. Mm -hmm. Like 80% 80, 80 chance you'll get a, like a gift bag on the way out, which we did last <laughs> yeah. time, which was good. Last time we got dinner at them, they did give us a gift bag. And it made me feel really sad because it felt like a desperate attempt to keep our business. And I knew that Lucy and Tam would be leaving forever. What? Yeah. Well, that was what? when both of us what? still lived in the UK, too. So we mm. would never oh, yeah. come back. What what could they possibly give you from a restaurant in a, a gift bag for them to keep you to to make you come back? It's like ornamental cutlery. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it was chopsticks as well, oh. like really yeah, or ornate looking chopsticks. They were really cool. Oh wow! And yeah. you just threw them in the trash. That's crazy. Just lobbed them no. right into a freeway. Right. <laughs> anyway, we're all the leading authorities on games. Yeah, we are. Um, 
That's us. Given this story. And I'm really glad because I honestly, I just wanted to have you guys on the podcast. I didn't really know how the news would align. Um, well, turns out there's really, a lot of it. Yeah, I'm really, really happy that this is the one that you're here for. And James also wanted to be on this podcast. And I told him no. <laughs> there were a lot of people that wanted to be here but couldn't. Uh, so yeah, all these events happened and this, there were some big announcements. I thought I'd just kind of run the gamut, run down the list and we, I don't know how many we'll get through, but we can try to talk about them all. Let's do I it. asked, I asked you and Tam, Lucy, what you were into and Deathloop came up on both <gasps> of your lists. Yeah. Oh man. Mark Arcane Studios. Uh, yeah. it follows our male protagonist, which male protagonist is a little unorthodox, but I'll allow it. Uh, his, his name's Colt, and he's a prisoner on the island of Black Reef, living the same day every day. Uh, however, he's also being hunted by Juliana Blake, his arch nemesis, who has one mission, which is to, you know, kill Colt, presumably. Mm-hmm. So it's like two assassins. I mean, that's their thing, right? It's like two assassins locked in a time loop mm-hmm. with yeah. the powers from Dishonored. I remember this trailer, like you see right now, he kind of does the slide, and then he kind of blinks out of it. Yeah, yeah a lot of the powers have a very Dishonored feel. Like, it, it ha- uh, was it someone said it's like, we happy few meets yeah. uh, Dishonored, right? Which I'm I'm not mad about. I'm okay with that. And I think no. that when everyone was watching this, right away, people kind of gauged the Dishonored feel to it. Oh, yeah. yeah. That was indisputable. It, yeah, is I, that bad? I mean, it's arcane. No, no, it, it means they have a signature style. Yeah, it's cool. Yeah, I so mean, like, like, when it comes to action games, like, that that have these unique quirky twists to them. Few studios do it better than Arcane. And yeah, this just looks amazing. I think it's it's interesting that the idea, it's both an idea they had a long time ago and then they iterated on recently and now they seem to be executing in a way. Like, I don't know if you guys watched um, the No Clip documentary on Arcane, but they talk about this idea that they had for a game. I think it's called The Crossing. Yeah, um, that's right. Something like yeah, that, yeah. That's- it's yeah. the multiplayer slash single player, like all in one game. Yeah, exactly. And you can see yeah. the seeds of this game in there. And the story of them not being able to make it is kind of sad. But like yeah. a little while later, they, you know, Arcane worked on Prey, um, mm-hmm. various studios. And the Moon Crash DLC for Prey has got an element of um, repeatable content that, you know, you need to get these bunch of survivors out off the space station. Um, so it's, that's another like, piece of this puzzle and now it seems like they've been building up to this point where they make this game um this specific game Deathloop which one that's an interesting like look back at the history of Arcane but also really exciting because they've been thinking about it for ages which means they've probably been designing and iterating on it for a really long time and through mm-hmm. you know uh, Prey as well Mooncrash they've put some ideas to test which means the chances of this being a banger are pretty high so that's exciting. <laughs> banger levels. Yeah. Yes, I'm always looking for a banger. And I guess, yeah, I love when game studios just do games as like proof of concept for the bigger things they want to do, like L.A. Noire being the mm. predecessor to GTA. Mm. It's like mm. they just want to figure out if they can do it. They tricked us all by yeah. making us think yeah. that they were giving us a game. <laughs> that was really a tech <laughs> test. Um, I, just, I just think the style of it. I love the uh, like the mod 60s sort of yeah. what like it's it's. We've seen it a couple times, but it's just funny because right before this, I was looking at the uh, unrelated but related that Amazon Amazon's new game, New World, mm-hmm. and how everyone sort of is like, this looks like a game done by committee where it's just so bland and so 
vanilla, it's nothing. Whereas Deathloop is like nothing but style, and it looks like a lot of love and heart went into it. So yeah, it's like good I on mean, Arcane. They they deserve it. The talent that they have at that studio, like Sebastian Miton, who was on the um, who was on the stream, uh, the PlayStation event. I interviewed him a few years ago for Dishonored Two, and. They it was it was a really cool event and I was like moderating this panel and they put together a hundred or something plus slideshow of just artwork <laughs> that they'd done for Dishonored and I was like well we have to get through this in an hour so mm-hmm. but he was talking and he was like basically they put so much thought into how the characters look and how how their worlds feel that they wanted to actually make a really believable space and just kind of plop, plop you as the player into it but the thing that I love the most that they do is costume design like I love the look of Emily and Corvo from Dishonored and so even in here you can tell everything's so bloody stylish and I love the color palette like all the oranges and reds and I'm like Dishonored like I will talk about this game because Dishonored is the game that I always have installed on my PlayStation like if ever I'm feeling like for Tam it's Bloodborne and Metal Gear for me it's Dishonored if I ever need a game that I just want to delve into and just kind of do a few levels or like spend a couple hours collecting shit, I will get in Dishonored. I just love it so much. And Having so, said that, I literally started a Corvo run on Dishonored ah. 2 yesterday because I was like, oh, I bet you I could do, but I realized there's only one trophy for like no kills never been seen. I thought yeah. it was like, you get one for Emily, one for Corvo. I already got it for Emily. So I was like, eh, I'll still play. But like I went to Arcane a little while back pre uh, Dishonored 2 and the level of they take the art stuff very seriously. Yeah. Like the, the, you see the way all the characters have this like almost sculpted look to them, like the edges to them and that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. I was like, oh, that's a really interesting style. And then you go there and they have actual sculptures that they just use the for this stuff. all over the place. Yeah, yeah just like really <laughs> weird. And like the other thing is like the, that's exciting about it is like Lucy was saying with Sebastian Miton is like the other person that was on the stream was Dinga Bakaba. And um, he's, I remember interviewing him pre-Dishonored 2 and he was talking about some of the ideas that they had and honestly he was describing it and it sounded like the ramblings of a lunatic. Like it was like... (laughs) That's that's game design though, right? Yeah, but he was like, oh, I'm going to have this, we're going to have this like this mansion and it's going to be like, you're going to be able to get in the mansion itself and go in between parts of it. And I was like, what are you talking about? And then obviously Mm -hmm. you play it and it's the clockwork mansion and you're like, oh, they actually pulled it off. Yeah. And then like Harvey Smith as well, talking about like these uh, really tricky puzzles and how you could approach them in various different ways. And if you had the right experience and the like arithmetic knowledge or even like the logic logic, uh, part of your brain is really strong, you could figure it out. And I was like, I don't know what you're talking about. That became the Jindosh lock. And you're like, oh, okay. (laughs) And then this is so many ideas like, you know, a crack in the slab and that kind of stuff. So if they bring that same kind of arcane energy to this, it's just going to be, it should be interesting. It should be really fun. So, yeah. It looks like they've already yeah. started that with like the character design of the, those, I don't know if they're, they're like wolf masks. Mm. Mm-hmm. Um, wolf boys. Wolf boys just feels like a, a choice. It's all, it's, it's, it's like just, they, they make a lot of deliberate choices and have yeah. a lot of intent, which I really like. Like Do you remember Adam, the, you mas- were... the masquerade ball? Was it Dishonored 1? Lady Boyle's oh, party. Is, yeah. 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 That, like this whole thing reminds me of that and i'm just like yes <laughs> yeah yeah i feel like that was the level that was like the water cooler moment for yeah. dishonored one where everyone talked like well how did you do the mission and then everyone talks about their different ways and that's when you're like oh dishonored everyone t- says like you know oh you don't have to kill anyone you're like wait you don't have to kill anyone and then you realize that 
Dishonored is one of the greatest games ever made. Yeah. yeah. I love watching speedruns of Dishonored because that's the one level that can yeah. mess them up because it's the only one where the target's randomized. Yeah. <laughs> and speedrunners every time yeah. they're like, oh. Yeah. Specific ways good, of doing it. Good RNG, yeah. 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 <laughs> was it the the Deathloop announcement that made you inspired you to do your Corvo run, Sam? Yeah, pretty much. Um, I I'm I love stealth games. Like I'm always after a good stealth game, and I play Metal Gear almost weekly. Um, just because I enjoy the, <laughs> I like I like the idea of figuring systems out and bending them to see how far you can go. Like in Metal Gear Solid Five, for example, the most powerful weapon that you can get in that game to me is uh d horses poo because okay. if you think about it like this this whole game it's got ai scripted that is just ridiculous they know how to react to you they know how to like you move around one corner they'll flank you they'll throw certain grenades in they're using their own gadgets and that kind of stuff it's just like advanced level ai but if you park a horse in the middle of the road and take a dump it just breaks everything they're like <laughs> what is this <laughs> what is this what's going on and you're like how's that confused you and like you can roll up behind him and attach balloons to him and they're just like there's poo on the ground where did it come from so like i love that yeah. so like any sort of stealth game that allows me to screw with people is what i love and mm. dishonored is one of the best at that just by like throwing things and like manipulating ai so i think that's why i started yeah and poop there's no poop in there i hope there's poop in um in uh death loop <laughs> i would love that well it's um, it inspire a lot of death poop Joke. There you go. Yes. Um, yeah. So, <laughs> you Sorry. guys would like so, that. Some, something in my brain snapped. And, <laughs> oh, I call a doctor. Uh, well, I think we've we've got if we've if we've hit feces, we've talked about this game too much. It's going to so be that's my rule of thumb for that's this podcast. Uh, so let's call. let's try to get through some more. Ghostwire Tokyo from Tango Gameworks and Bethesda. Uh, <sighs> imagines a Tokyo where the city has been overrun by a mysterious supernatural threat and most of the city's inhabitants are vanishing suddenly. Uh, there's a supernatural phenomenon occurring that causes our protagonists to develop supernatural powers. Um, and they're, of course, you know, attacking the city's over, overrun evil spirits. So, so uh, the visitors are what they're called in this. Um, mm -hmm. And, of course, you know, you, you get a bunch of weapons to take on the visitors. The visitors I was reading are, are modeled after traditional Japanese folklore. I think is going to give it a lot of depth and interesting uh, layers yeah. to this game. Mm. What, what's yeah, the over-under on Japan actually having a contingency plan in real life in case ghosts do take over Tokyo? <laughs> I, I definitely think they've got something rolling. I, I feel assume, like they right? absolutely would plan for it. Yeah. <laughs> it's like when in The Walking Dead came out, what, the TV show, everyone was like, oh, what's your zombie plan? I feel like Japan absolutely were like, okay, yeah. well... They're like, what's your ghost plan? Yeah. Seriously. Like, right? like, they're, like, they're laughing at zombies. Like, that's yeah. just sci-fi bullshit. It's like Godzilla, <laughs> right below that, Japanese water ghosts. Yeah. <laughs> Shinigamis. Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. Oh, what, what, is, uh, so what is Bethesda's involvement with this other than... They're just publishing, right? I think, publishing, I think they're publishing. Because yeah. they did Tango's okay. um, Evil Within 1 and 2, right? Yeah. So I they believe, had that right. relationship. Yeah. Tang Tango is okay. a Bethesda studio, so it's it's oh. their game. Yeah. So I think Mikami Studio is was founded uh, with Bethesda in partnership. So in the same way that the Evil Within is entirely a Bethesda property, so is um, Ghostwire. I imagine. I believe that is the case. Um, mm -hmm. Double check mm -hmm. me. Uh, double check your facts. Uh, but yeah. Um, yeah. So Are both I think of that's, these playstation 5 exclusive so the first so there's, a time the that there's been a weird 
messaging about it. The language has been incredibly unclear. Yeah. Um, the, and, the press, go ahead. Oh, I was just going to say, in some things that were initially perceived as multi-platform are now being couched as, oh, they're timed exclusives. Mm-hmm. So like uh, I, the PlayStation. I didn't know that. Yeah, yeah the so, PlayStation so blog def- was like. That's that's crazy. I didn't know that. Yeah, that's sad. Yeah. PlayStation blog said it's making it it had um exclusive console it had console debut initially and then we got a press release from Bethesda saying exclusively launching for PlayStation 5 and then there's been some rumblings of it from Jeff Keighley saying it's a timed exclusive. So there's three potential mm. uh, eventualities <laughs> out of this. Honestly, like it makes sense given the history for it to be a console exclusive. If I had to bet on one of them, it's probably that or a timed console exclusive on PlayStation because they have they've already talked openly about a PC version. Mm-hmm. But it would it would be wild if they were not publishing on Xbox Series X as well, mainly because of the realities of third-party development and that kind of stuff. They mm. need to recoup those development costs, and it just makes sense for them to put it everywhere. And Bethesda's traditionally a multi-platform studio as well. Mm. Yeah, It's weird that there hasn't been the sort of... Do you remember when Tomb Raider was Xbox exclusive and there was such a huge backlash against it? And then this has kind of just been everyone kind of going, oh, okay, for a bit, mm. it's fine. I guess strange. maybe when it's a when it's a new IP, I, they I think there's don't care less, as much. Yeah, yeah, and I'm there's also the the morons like me, who is like I had no idea. I I saw Arcane in Bethesda, and I assume it's already multi platform. Mm. Um, I guess if it comes to PC, that that's fine by me. That's how mm. I would probably choose to play a first person shooter anyway, or yeah. whatever you want to call Deathloop and Ghostwire. But um, yeah, that's that's sort of a shame. Uh, that we're we're going down this this path now with new consoles where, uh, you know, the Sony and Microsoft are going to be throwing a bunch of money to make sure those games are on their console first for I don't know a month, two well, months, yeah, and don't even get us started about the Epic exclusives because I think I feel like that's the one that really incites ire. Oh yeah, <laughs> you know, yeah, that's how people get really mad. Um, so there are a few on our yep. list. I guess I'm just used to it. <laughs> like you just kind of roll your eyes and go, well, I I guess I could wait or. You know, if I want to play uh, Control now, I'll just, mm. you know, mm. got to play it on Epic Game Store. So, yeah, yeah. Uh, this game is kind of being marketed as a horror game, which even aside from it's the, the supernatural aspect doesn't feel that way to me. I don't know how you guys feel about it. It feels uh, more sci fi. It's like when people say yeah. that Stephen King is a horror writer when nine times out of ten, he's mostly sci fi. In I guess yeah. mystery. Yeah. it's yeah. it's suspense maybe mm-hmm. it's the perception of what are they known for and what are they marketed as like you call Stephen King a horror writer because most people probably watched something like Shining or it and those count as horror so you market him as a horror writer right and the same for Shinji Mikami obviously he's known for Resi and those are traditionally marketed as survival horror so I feel like regardless of what he does from this point it's gonna have the word horror in it to some degree just so it kind of triggers those the parts of the brains or like the the nostalgia that people have for his games um in Mm. that way but yeah. also, so you can so you can use the subtitle from Master of Horror Shinji Mikami. <laughs> mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I think when you can five finger death punch a ghost, it immediately is no longer scary. Like I think yeah. there are, there's probably some visual scary elements, but that, that it's a weird thing in game design. I, I've known game developers who will make will make a horror game, and the publisher will say, "Can you please add a gun?" And they go, "Well, that doesn't make it scary anymore." They're like, yeah, mm-hmm. but 
we want players to defend themselves. We want like, combat now aspects. It, yeah. Yeah. And that sort of takes the fear out of it. There, there are still games like the condemned or not the, you know, condemned where they are scary. You can fight back, but it's, you know, it's a bit more rough. This looks like you almost like overpowered yeah. in some yeah. cool ways. So I don't, I don't, I don't typically see that as horror, but it looks fun. Agreed. I'm excited for it. I'll yeah. take it. I'll take two at least. One on my Xbox. I, I think it looks cool. To me, it looks more like you're saying sci-fi, futuristic, fun, like a, a fun romp around a city. And there happen to be ghosts. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, I'm, I'm into it. Uh, speaking of fun romps around the city, Marvel's Spider-Man Miles Morales from Insomniac, uh, published by Sony Interactive. Uh, this one, I had a feeling there was going to be some Spider-Man announcement. Didn't know it was going to be Miles Morales, but I guess it makes sense. Uh, mm. in terms of the narrative of the first game. Uh, this is going to be a standalone game for the PS5, but from what I've been reading, a lot of uh, outlets are comparing it to the Uncharted standalone that happened. Um, oh, Lost Legacy. Lost Legacy. Yeah, yeah, that was like much more of a, not a, a reduced game, but smaller in scope, scale, and price tag mm-hmm. also. <laughs> yeah, there's I mean, also been some confusion around this one in the same way as the exclusive for the previous game like because in in initially they announced it like this has got to be sadly the kind of worst part of sony's announcement which is unfortunate because it started off as the best part but in the time since people were like oh yeah great uh, spider-man sequel of Mal- yeah. miles morales and then now there's people, more information yeah here's more information actually it's not a sequel it's a it's a thing on the side and then it was like oh it's it's part of a uh, remastered version of the entire Spider-Man, the original game that has a separate chapter or a chunk of the game dedicated to Miles Morales. And then there's some confusion about whether that's still the case because Insomniac just came out and said, it's a standalone thing. But is it a standalone mm. thing is, as in Miles Morales standalone thing or is it a standalone thing within a bigger Spider-Man remaster? Like, be clear about it, what's going on. Um, huh. hmm. yeah, I wonder if it was like they they wanted to have something for ps5 and they couldn't do they couldn't do all of spider-man or this is meant to hold you over until the next spider-man that comes out and like maybe it's a hint that you'll be playing as multiple characters like you'll be going between peter parker and miles morales maybe mm. which uh, would be cool but, but it's yeah. unfortunate that this re- this character would be relegated to like a tied people over and not a premier game of mm. his own i do i do yeah. still wonder whether the the original spider-man game will be available because obviously all the all the uh, advancements in PS5 technology that they have um, on the hardware side, mainly the solid state hard drive, they've been using Spider-Man as the kind of, you know, benchmark. Look how look how it changes Spider-Man. Um, mm-hmm. mm-hmm. Kind of makes you think that because of that, Insomniac has been improving that game or working with that game to make the most of the technology, the hardware, the new hardware. So. It's, there's a decent chance that we get the original Spider-Man game on PS5 improved using the new hard drive and that kind of stuff. So, I think it's yeah. a, a really fair bet. I think that might be a launch. I think it yeah. might like be a cross-gen, and then Miles Morales comes out when holiday, Christmas. Yeah. But do you, but do you think that's going to play into what they've been doing with the whole like buy it once, like Cyberpunk and GTA Five, where you buy it once and then plays over or you know carries over or is this Sony saying, no, 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 we got to pay for that Spider-Man license somehow? Yeah. You're buying it three more times because Cause Daddy what's needs Sony's, his. What's Sony's stance on that? Because I know smart delivery on Xbox, 
Um, GTA Online is going to be free, but I don't know about the actual mm. GTA 5 so, itself. Sony hasn't been as um, kind of uh, effusive around their consumer-friendly approach to buying once and going over it. In fact, another part of perhaps their... I don't want to sound like an anti-Sony person here, but like I am a very much... I like play everything, but like another part, another downside of their kind of presentation was the line that they said, we believe in general... Tr- generational transitions which came across a lot of people going uh was that a smart thing to say when when microsoft are like hey the games that you own we're going to do our best to make sure that you play them everywhere you buy them once whereas sony's like no we think that their games for ps5 should be on ps5 everything all the money and time you've spent investing in the one of the most successful consoles of all time is going to be irrelevant um, so they haven't <laughs> actually said it outright, but they clearly are making ex- exceptions for certain games. Like I think Cyberpunk is partly a deal with CD Projekt Red. If you're gonna mm-hmm. make, the, if you're gonna do it for anyone, it's gotta be for them, right? Um, they haven't said it outright, as far as I know, whether Spider Man is part of that. It would make sense for them for it to be part of that because you know um, it's their game. But then again, if it's a remaster of that game built on new technology, perhaps the original version can't just be automatically carried forward mm-hmm. somehow. It might, they might Simon. just be like, we see the license on your account, you can have it. Mm. Simon Rutter, who's the EVP of the European business at, at Sony Interactive, he said, I guess you could call it an expansion and an enhancement to the previous game. Uh, there's, an ex- there's a substantial Miles Morales component, which is the expansion element, but also within the game as well, there has been major enhancements to the game and the game engine obviously deploying some of the major PlayStation 5 technology and features. Um, so hmm. it sounds like they're treating it as, like he said, an extension. Hmm. Hmm. I don't know. This is what I'm saying, that unclar- the lack of clarity. Yeah. 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 I think they'd well, be remiss this, not this, to put it on PS5, not to put main yeah. Spider-Man on PS5. Yeah. yeah. Well, well, this, this, next... this reminds me... Oh, sorry, sorry. No, oh, please, just, please, just one please go on. This reminds me of years ago, if you guys remember... When they announced, uh, Bungie announced, uh, it was called Halo Recon at the time, ended up being renamed to Halo 3 ODST. Mm. But Bungie came out and said, oh, we're making this game. It's going to be like 20 bucks. It's small. Don't worry about it. And Microsoft's like, uh, actually, it's going to be $60. And Bungie was pissed off. Like, why would you do that? We wanted to make a smaller game. Mm. And so then they they scrambled and threw Halo 3 multiplayer in there and then because they were charging $60 for this product. But you could see that's the developer and the publisher kind of butting heads a little yeah. bit on trying to figure these things out. So who knows? Maybe it's like Insomniac had smaller plans and Sony has bigger plans and no one really talked to each other. So Well, they're these first party happen. now, aren't they? Sony Borton. So, uh, yeah, I mean, Bungie imagine. was first party too. And yeah. they still act, act like uh, your, your shitty teenager, you know, upstairs <laughs> playing music loudly. Your, your Greg you know <laughs> filming whatever he's filming next in the room next door perhaps um well yeah. we're gonna move on to a game that there's there's no disputing what this game knows what it is and it's it's coming it's coming out in hot but first a word from our sponsor thanks to hbo max for sponsoring dude soup a new season of doom patrol is coming to hbo max and you can watch the first three episodes of season one on rooster teeth starting june 22nd DC's Weirdest Heroes are back for more bizarre misadventures, and you can watch part of season one for free on our website ahead of season two, premiering on HBO Max June 25th. Note, it's available only to U.S. viewers. 
Also, there's Doom Talkers premiering 622. That's June 22nd. Ryan Haywood, Fiona Nova, Alfredo Diaz, and John Reisinger are breaking down episodes of season one with a special Doom Patrol post show. Ooh, it's hard to say. Doom Patrol post show. Watch the episodes and talk Doom Patrol with the Doom Talkers and binge it all at once. We're dropping three episodes from season one coming to Rooster Teeth on June 22nd and stream the Doom Drop from start to finish with the special post show I mentioned, the Doom Patrol post show, Doom Talkers. And remember, Doom Patrol season two premieres June 25th on HBO Max. Start your free trial today. That's at www.hbomax.com slash doom dash patrol. Watch the first season of Doom Patrol now on HBO Max so you can brush up in time for the season two premiere June 25th. Thank you. And now we are. Well, no, I'm not going to do that. Why did I do that? Thank you. Thank you. Hey. Thank you. <laughs> and we're back. Our next game is Hitman 3, the dramatic conclusion to the world of assassination, assassination trilogy. It's coming in January 2021 for PlayStation 5, PlayStation 4, Xbox Series X, Xbox One, PC. We, we know what this game is. It's just uh, IO Interactive being like, here it is. You love Hitman. You're getting more of it. Adam, you've got to be excited about this. Oh, yeah. I mean, I, I've, I've loved Hitman since it. I played the original one on PC when it was a broken mess. And they, they more or less invented this weird sort of genre. And other people have tried copying it. And they still do it the best. And I'm, I don't know, I'm super happy for them that they're even like self-publishing it. They own the rights of their own. IP again and it's it's good. I'm I'm excited for them. Oh, Matt. Wait, and Warner Brothers publishing or is it no. IO doing it themselves? They do. They they broke off from Warner a little while yeah. back and took took yeah. the IP with them, oh, which wow. is great because yeah. they 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 have been doing amazing things with this franchise since now that they've got like full control over it again. Mm. Yeah, like do you remember when this game first got announced and the people and they were like, "Oh, it's episodic." The the Square Absolute. Enix episodic one, yeah. Yeah, the the amount of piss it boiled was insane. <laughs> and like that that has become like one of its defining features and they this studio has shown how well you can do episodic gaming. And like mm-hmm. it's some of the best like cuz the the original game stacks on top of the second game and both of those games will stack on top of the third game. So if you buy Hitman 3, you can still play everything from the previous two games, I believe. Awesome. certainly is the case really with cool. um, hitman 2 and then like they're going to be doing probably i mean the stuff that they did with like the celebrity assassination targets like that's sean bean has one been man. So, that's cool. so good <laughs> yeah. a great, great sense of humor yeah the ghost yeah. mode yeah it's like yeah. so cool good and they're, they're a studio that i think is going to benefit hugely from the power of the new consoles like they they love a good crowd. They love a good simulated like um, AI kind of routine. So seeing the the new power and seeing what they do with it is probably the thing I'm most excited about. They create they create these like intricate clock like systems where you see these gears turning, and this just means like they've got an opportunity to put even more gears in there and make it even more intricate. So you can pick apart. Like I said, I love the stealth games. So. Picking apart these worlds are like some of the most enjoyable. Th- I had to stop playing this game because I spent twenty hours on one level. I think it was, and I was like, <laughs> "Which one?" That's the- huh? It was. Which- it was well, like um, uh, blessing from um, uh, kind of funny and uh, Yusuf over at Ubisoft were talking about playing it the other day, and they were like, "Oh yeah, for some reason Tam's done this perfectly in nine minutes. This is pretty cool." And I was like, "No, that was twenty hours of nonstop like trial and error." <laughs> so Which mission I had to- was it? After I did that, I was like, "I'm done." 
Oh my god. Where do you find the time, Tam? So you're you don't he doesn't sleep though. Yeah, I have oh, this okay. way. Bad insomnia. <laughs> you're like, you're like our Jacob. Jacob <laughs> yeah. Yeah. on our team. We're like, how does he do it? We don't know. Mm-hmm. But I walk my dog 17 times a day. So <laughs> I, I, could be playing I, Destiny, I guess. Could, yeah. Yeah, yeah, could be playing Destiny too. Um, yeah, this is exciting for Funhouse too because I feel like this is a mainstay of ours. It's always really fun. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, I, I I enjoy those those games. I enjoy those levels. I I wish I, it's funny because I've seen both Hitman movies and they're both terrible. And wait, there was another. I feel one? like people. There was a second one. Mm-hmm. It's perfectly awful. With Timothy Olyphant? Uh, no, no. They they switched him out with I think some other actor, some some guy I've never heard of. But um, I always think of the Mardi Gras level. I want to say it's in Hitman. Was it Contracts? Uh, I think so. Yeah. I think so. Yeah. Where I always I always see Hitman dressed as a giant bird with a sniper oh, rifle. Yeah. I'm like, yeah. I'm like I'm like that is Hitman to me. Is this thing that's supposed to be serious, but it does not take itself seriously in the ways that it needs to. Like it it knows. The, the whole premise is so asinine, but at the same time, it, it I don't know, it's it's so perfectly tongue in cheek that it's like mm. I, I feel like it only really be done in the video games with the way the way they do it. Yeah, oh, yeah. I, I've I've been trying to get this. Uh, Lucy's tired of hearing about this feature that I've been trying to do on the Hitman, <laughs> but like um, I've been trying to get it going properly. But like Hitman is like that physical comedy in the way like Buster Keaton, Lauren Hardy. It's it's the video game version of that, like, and it's it's mm-hmm. the kind of feature idea was like Hitman is basically Looney Tunes for video games because mm-hmm. if you think about it, Agent Forty Seven is Bugs Bunny. He <laughs> exists in a world, <laughs> but only he's able to break the rules of the world for some reason. And the rules, mm-hmm. the world continues as usual. Like you can, he's the only one that can run off a cliff and carry on moving. It, for example, he can throw a briefcase that tracks you. For example, well, or some like of the deaths are so cartoonish and stupid. So yeah, good. and like, like that's, really that's why I, I think like the Hitman series is the best Looney Tunes franchise, video game franchise that mm-hmm. ever ex- has existed. Even uh, over Far just, Cry. Yeah, man. Like, Agent Forty Seven is Bugs Bunny. That's why, as far as I <laughs> like, he they are the well, same character. <laughs> uh, well, that's good to know. Moving right along. <laughs> just kidding, just kidding. <laughs> We do have to continue though, but that that uh, wow, Tam, yeah, you're giving me a lot to think about. <laughs> uh, a protagonist that is not uh, Bugs Bunny is Ethan Winters. Now you might be thinking, who is Ethan Winters? I didn't remember either. Um, he's from Resident Evil Seven. Oh, yeah, he he's the protagonist. Oh my of Resident god, come 7. on! <laughs> and, and he's back for Resident Evil Eight, which I loved Resident Evil Seven, but I, I could too. not have told you his name. I could, um, I could have told you Ethan and like his wife Mia could not have told you his surname. Didn't oh, even know yeah. he had one. Well, he's in Resident Evil Eight. He's looking for Mia. He's he's traveled to Louisiana. Um, he's in the Bayou. He's, well, he's in a mysterious village actually, which is what the mm. subtitle of the game is. Wait, is uh, that is that is he looking for Mia still in Eight or is that Seven? I believe he's now. He's still looking for her. He's still wait. Looking so for Mia. they've they've got a canon because there was a choice. Oh wait, right? no, no. Sorry, he might he might not be looking for her in this. I think I think because the end of seven, you find Mia. You find her, yeah. You can, the yeah, boat you or can like, yeah, yeah. Okay. And you, yeah, I think the subtitle so I, for this one is the search for Wesker. Right? <laughs> <Ooh>. <laughs> okay, then I guess I, I I guess I misunderstood it. Then I thought so I like, thought there was some element yeah. where he was still because yeah because doesn't she. I can't remember. Doesn't she die? 
Well, she can. can. You, you can, can pick the daughter her or, or her. Or yeah. what's the name who helps you the entire time? The daughter. Oh, yeah. Big, the, yeah. Daddy or whatever? Oh. The daughter of Angry Daddy. <laughs> oh, that's right. Well, that I, so I never, I never finished the game because it freaked me the F out. I got to well, the part where you get the flamethrower and there were too many bugs flying around and it scared me. Oh, oh you great. playing it yeah. in VR? No, we played it in VR once and I got super <gasps> sick. That was like PSVR. Yeah. yeah. Um, but uh, did they ever tie it? I guess, uh, warning spoilers, but did they ever tie it to the other games? Was there some moment that uh, brought it yes. all together? Well, yes, there was the, the lad who appeared at the end. Yeah, so it ends with a spoiler, the arrival of uh, Chris Redfield. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah. So he, he hops out of a... So he's working on a kind of anti-umbrella, working at an anti-umbrella task force, which and Chris makes Redfield's his, in this one, too. Yeah. Yeah, and, like, the, the events of this one are... He's the instigating factor, and you see in the trailer where he shows up and shoots someone. So he's a bad guy now for some reason. Um, oh. And that's why that's why Ethan is on this again. So apparently, like I, as far as I can tell from the trailer and some of the stuff that I read, like Ethan has moved on with his life until Chris shows up again. He's like, I'm about to mess your life up again. So mm-hmm. I think that's wow. the kind of plot of this one. Chris went full Karen. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, to be fair, if your wife does attack you with a chainsaw, it is probably time to move on. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Oh, like here he is. He looks okay. like very wide. Like I didn't. I don't remember Chris's neck being that thick. Yeah, he he looks like he's eaten every other version of Chris Redfield before him, <laughs> and he's now like uh, Chris Redfield Prime. Like you know the movie The One. Yeah. He's consumed. Uh-huh. Oh, he's yeah. He's consumed okay. every other multiverse. I feel like Chris Redfield. It, his head could be a little bit bigger to compensate. Yeah. Maybe he looks. That's, like a, yeah. that's like a Japanese anime trope where it's like you make their head small and their body looks bigger yeah. by comparison. The, the yeah. weird thing is, like, I initially looked at it and I was like, "Wow, he got jacked." And then I looked closer and I was like, "No, he's just wearing every sweater he has." <laughs> yeah, it's <laughs> really cold outside, so he's just gonna layer up. Yeah. Um, man. man, I I need to go back and like replay Resident Evil Seven because I loved it, but mm-hmm. I have a like the memory of a goldfish, and whether it's a movie, a book, or a TV show or a game, I just don't remember like we were talking about this morning because we were talking about like our old videos and adam's like i can't remember what we recorded last week <laughs> yep. yeah um, so they, they asked like they're uploading some of our videos and they're like uh so we're doing the full version if there's anything you want cut out or if there's anything you know you don't want the full thing to go up let us know and went dude i don't what did i have for breakfast did i have breakfast and like yeah my yeah my brain is warped I usually remember how things made me feel. So the fact mm-hmm. that you guys are like spouting specific <laughs> details, you're like, oh. I have a really weird memory for really weird facts and like weird moments that things that other people don't pick up on. But I am completely the same when it comes to stuff that we've made. Like Tam was sharing some clips from a show that we made in 2016, 2017. And I just had zero recollection of mm. any of it. And I am in the video and I watched it and I was like, this is terrifying because this is me but it's like i'm watching something fresh it could be an alien wearing your skin i mean it could be you'd believe it it. that's how i feel a lot of the time sugar Um, but yeah i love seven so much and i'm excited for this one but it looks dramatically different in tone and narrative than seven so i'm really there's werewolves in it i'm excited Um, about the werewolves although i'm also preemptively terrified of the werewolves it just feels like a really different course yeah, I just I just thought I just thought stylistically like it looks almost like an early Techland game or something like that. Like 
Mm-hmm. I thought it was going to be a uh, Kyle Juarez or something like that. Where I'm like, it looks kind. I, I get it. You're getting an early look at it, but it's like, mm-hmm. it like low frame rate and kind of like overblown, like the light super blown out. Whereas seven, I felt like had more of a kind of a stylistic tone to it. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Like it, everything felt very washed out. I was like legitimately surprised when it said Resident yeah. Evil. I was kind of confused but it kind of maybe they'll they'll probably fix that all later i think it kind of harkens back to the style of resi 4 like they are very trying to evoke resi 4 because resi 4 if i i mean it's been a little while since i played it but it had that kind of slightly washed out it was all browns browns and teals yeah and like it's called village yeah Yeah, desaturated Mm -hmm. and like and it's called village and the first area you're in in Resi 4 is a village and you're like mm-hmm. around the Las Plagas and all that kind of stuff. And it has a castle like Salazar's castle. So it's like very mm-hmm. much evoking the Resi 4 vibe to it. And I think some of it might be that. But when you see it in like this RE engine where it's also very shiny at the same time, it kind of looks a bit weird. Um, mm-hmm. I bet in the long run, like the transitions from one area to the next will feel a little more natural. Where it, like it kind of makes more sense. Um, mm-hmm. but yeah, I, I do see what you were saying. Like the kind of, the style of it looks not as focused as seven had. Yeah. I mean, I mean seven yeah. had a very mm-hmm. focused location too. And I'm really curious yeah. what the scope of this one is going to be like. Yeah. I mean, I really liked like, that about seven. I also loved the way that I they revealed it. it. They had that, um, the demo that yeah. was, what I was it? Lighthouse. It. Yeah. And you we called really it a know. playable teaser. Yeah. <laughs> 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 Sorry. Should have really released uh, that full thing. But no, I remember um, when they did the press event for it, uh, Capcom were like, oh, we've got this new VR experience um, come down and Tam, you ended up going. And mm. we had no idea it was Resident Evil. But it was, I think they, they ended up releasing it eventually, but it was like you trapped in the chair, you were in VR and Mia comes up and attacks you at the end of it but that's that's a really cool way of like this is one of the biggest properties that you have and you're not even telling people that it's going to be a new one and there's going to be so drastically different maybe mm. that's like also it's kind of unfortunate that all of this stuff leaked too yeah 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 but, the werewolf stuff has been known for a while that would have yeah. been a good yeah. surprise yeah i'm i'm so glad i i don't work in games media the same way you guys do because <sighs> I, full of I, avoid, I missed all of this stuff. I had no idea it was coming. I, I mean, I think I like most things like I hear rumblings and I just go, OK, cool. And I don't dig any deeper because mm-hmm. like I don't have to. And I, yeah. I kind of don't I don't want to be spoiled by these things. It's like I was legitimately surprised and I guess happy, too. It's like, oh, cool. Yeah. Another Resident Evil. I'm, I'm yeah. glad they're they're committing to that format. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, uh, I guess I, also. Sorry. I was gonna say like I'm now contemplating re-downloading Resi Seven. Playing, I played that <laughs> game three I times. I want to play <laughs> so. it now again too. I might watch a playthrough. I don't know if I could yeah. play through dude, it by myself. Dude, that game is so good. So if good. I can recommend a playthrough, like uh, this is this is pimping our own content, but Resident Evil. We had a show with Mike Mahardy and um, uh, Mary Kish called Resident Evil. Their Resident <laughs> Evil Seven playthrough is fantastic because. Mike is obviously very, very familiar with Resident Evil. Mary wasn't at the time, and she freaks out constantly. But it's just a push and pull between Mike knowing what's coming and knowing that he's not going to react to it, and then accidentally being scared by Mary's like ridiculous reaction <laughs> to it. So it's just a load of people going, ah, 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 ah. but like it's it's like so much fun to watch. If you want to watch one, give that one a shot. It's real good. It's real fun. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, the family design in that game is so scary. All of them. Yeah. Yeah, it's so, it's so weird. 
and I guess now we're in we're we're committed to first person Resident Evil. Like, I th- that's I, it now. I think that I just remembered we did a uh, an escape room based on yeah. Resident Evil Seven, Which is and it really involved good. being it involved being at the table where the Baker family are doing like the 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 dinner sequence, and so me me and Lucy conspired to poison Jack Baker. And, and we did, worked. but the actor, the actor kind of really overcommitted to it because it's it's like a plot line that you could do with it. And we poisoned him, poisoned him, and the guy overcommitted so hard he meant to he was supposed to just fall over, but he accidentally fell on the dining table and smashed it. And so two of the production <laughs> guys came out from behind the wall to kind of See, go, okay. "Is he okay?" I assume he gave them like a small thumbs up, and Tam and I just ran upstairs. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like, awesome. I uh, really I'm not. I love scary movies and find very particular things very, very scary. And one of them that, like, I see vividly in my mind to this day is the first time I ever saw the original Texas Chainsaw Massacre. And then you wind up at the house, the family (gasps) meal at the house. Mm -hmm. And so when you're at that dinner in Resident Evil 7, I was like, oh, my God, this is is one of my, like, terrors. (laughs) Uh, and then grandma's just, just sitting there and all that's moving uh, is her eyes. It's so, yeah. it's so good. Oh, yeah. Well, everybody download that. Play it yeah. again. <laughs> um, another game that people probably won't play again is Demon's Souls. Moving on. Goodbye, yeah. wow. Volcano High. <laughs> this looks like a good one. <laughs> Cinematic narrative <Darian>. adventure. <laughs> oh, man. Well, what do you guys want to say about Demon's Souls? I, I mean, I'm not a Souls fan, I, admittedly. I don't have much to say about this one, but I think certain people here, Lucy, are excited. Mm-hmm. Oh, no, this is, this is a Tam one. This is all <laughs> no, Tam. I was, I was joking. I was joking. I, <laughs> I was just trying to bypass I think, I think he's. Anyway. I think he's played it maybe once or twice. Tam, yeah, you're excited, I've huh? Yeah, I've played it a few times. Yeah, I'm very, very excited. About you. What were you saying earlier, what you were saying earlier about, you know, studios that, you know, they experiment with new ideas in, like, smaller games. Like, that kind of counts for Demon Souls, the Souls genre as it is now. Most of, most of it is born and refined in this game. Some people will say, you know, Kingsfield before it, but um, Demon's Souls was where a lot of the things that the Souls franchise and the genre as a whole has has kind of like um, has its roots. It's just a phenomenal game. I think I talked about this in um, on our own uh, like live stream uh, after the event, but this is a game that is so interesting, but so few people got a chance to play it because it was before the genre blew up. Um, Dark Souls was the kind of moment where it was, you know, this is a, this is a franchise you need to pay attention to, and it's what everyone caught on to. So, and because Demon Souls was PS3 generation before and really tricky to track down, a lot of people didn't really bother. But it was it's so, got niche. so many, yeah, it was so niche. I had to like import it from Japan to play it, and it was incredibly brutal even back then. It's probably one of the hardest still um, Souls games. But it's also got such a really fascinating design and a world ambience that few other games have, especially in the Souls franchise. Like the closest I think we get to it is like Filing Shrine in Dark Souls 1 has this mood, which you can feel immediately when you get there. But there's areas outside of Filing Shrine that don't have that. They just feel like kind of the absence of a mood is what the mood is. Whereas Demon Souls, every area you go to has a distinct feel of being there and that's what a lot of the other games don't have and it's what makes it unique also like the the way i before we had soul i was describing why why someone should be excited or trying to tell someone what it kind of like is um that hadn't played it before and uh, my that kind of like conversation with him was like this existed before we had souls like as a 
franchise a or a genre and name. Mm. Yeah. So when I first played it, I was like, oh, this is kind of fantasy Super Mario 64, which is what that game kind of is format wise. You have these kind of arch stones that you go into, which are basically the equivalent of paintings in Super Mario 64. You walk into a castle-like structure. You're going traveling to these distant worlds. Every world has like a unique system or something like that there or an idea that it's exploring there. You do that thing, you get, you beat the boss and then you come back into this central hub, the castle as it were, and then find a new painting or an arch stone to jump through. Like this is the original like format of that game. And I feel like it's, they didn't do it much since then. They did it on Dark Souls 2 more out of necessity because they couldn't find a good way to, or they didn't find a good way to make that world wrap into itself. So it became this like hub and spoke system. But this is a game where they wanted to do that. They did that and they executed on it really, really well. So it's like, it's got a unique flavor to the Souls genre, um, to the rest of the games that they've done. And like, I'm just so happy that people can, one, play it, two, Fingers crossed, you know, Bluepoint doesn't miss. They haven't so far. So it should be like a good version of it. God, I wish we'd been recording when that rea- the reaction from you came out. Cause... <laughs> I, I like hurt my hand and it still hurts because yeah. I like no. slammed my hand down. I was like, yes. And then like didn't Ooh! know and it clipped the table. Did you know and right away? Also, yeah, I it pretty immediately got it. Well, because they're doing that, and then there's Elden Ring, which I know From is doing, and then there's the rumors of Bloodborne too. And it's just hmm. like, I guess good, good time to enjoy a you know, Soulsborne yes. game. So, so like, it's not my the- genre and it's not my taste, but when you talk about it. It, I, it piques my interest, but then I know that if I sat down, I'd be like, oh no 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 no. Tam was just. <laughs> <laughs> I think it's like I think it's, I think it's a genre that everyone can love, but the hurdles you have to overcome to like. get comfortable or like it's not even skill like i think skill is a it's definitely a requirement but it's i think i feel like the skill everyone can get just because the way those games work like you can find a build that works for you that has uh, gives you the skill necessary i think it's the patience that's the really really difficult part Mm -hmm. the first time you go really deep into a demon souls level or a dark souls level get killed and you spawn all the way at the back your brain goes i have to do fight all those things again that's where I think people drop off, but my I, I always like. Sorry. No, sorry, go ahead. Go. No, no, no. And that was it. I was, I was just going to say, like, I, I always encourage people like to push past, like, stay patient with it, and don't assume it's your lack of skill. That's why you're not able to do it. It's more like you're learning the world, you're learning the language of that game, and it's alien to everything else that you may have in games. To echo that. Mm about the patience aspect my friends that are big bloodborne dark souls fans always describe them as zen simulators Mm. yeah Yeah. because you're conditioning yourself to just let it go and also like it's like the the micro like every single encounter you have with an enemy is it feels impactful you kill Mm -hmm. one enemy in that game and you feel like you've grown you've taken a, a like a meaningful step forward so when you come back you know exactly how to encounter and how to approach that stuff and then you just discover new corners of these worlds and and they're just like in fully enrapturing mm-hmm. it um, there's it's funny because i i went back i started playing the original dark souls again because i want to pick up sekiro um i i enjoyed when i was playing that i'm like i should pick it up and uh, Dark Souls Remastered was out, so I was like, I'll, I'll give it a try and just see where I can go with it. Uh, Bed of Chaos is bullshit. Um, yep. That was that was a really garbage boss fight, but it's funny because now that time has passed, I feel like you can be critical and not get into a fight, and I, I always saw that issue. Like I, I went back and watched all of IGN's reviews for all the 
Dark Souls games and they like praise Dark Souls 2. And I'm like, how much of this is you actually like the game and how much of this is fear that people are going to call mm-hmm. you out for not being good at the game? And then time goes by and people say, oh, no, no, Dark Souls 2 is all broken. And it, it's Dark Souls 3 is where the, the money's at. And then even like James from uh, Funhouse is like, he loves Sekiro. He's like, the game is perfect. Like it's, it's one of his favorite games. And this is a guy who does, has not played uh, or hasn't enjoyed any of the other Dark Souls games. Mm-hmm. Um, I think he kind of like Bloodborne. But um, yeah, it's just that that's sort of a weird thing too, where I'm like, I'm wondering, I always wonder how people are like, just afraid of criticism of people coming after you and being like, you're not hardcore enough. And except years later, yeah. people go, oh, no, no, that boss is bullshit. Yeah, yeah. don't worry about that. I, That's I, not I, you. That's the game. I feel like a lot. I think that definitely is true. But I also feel like some element of it is this is going to sound incredibly pretentious, but like it's really hard <laughs> for people like to, to see the value. I, I don't think you can you can see the value of a from software game immediately on a single playthrough i think it's one of those mm-hmm. games that you need to play through step away from and then really truly understand it like the bed of chaos stuff is very obviously bad the jumping element of it and like the even the boss itself it feels bad i feel like enough people called it out back then um but like as time has passed more people are like comfortable with saying it and it now has value in its narrative implications and lore than specifically the game. Um, Dark Souls 2, I feel like that was a game where you're kind of right, where people were reacting a little more to the reputation of it. I think the fans eventually were like, and it's hard to, like you, you almost have to put the right position, person in charge of talking about those games, right? Um, like if you're an embedded member of the community, you're more likely to think on a, level that's perhaps deeper than most people would be able to under the time pressure of a review um dark souls 2 for example is like fans were pretty vocal almost immediately about the world itself and that hub and spoke system where it didn't fold in on itself and it didn't feel good in that way and things were a bit amiss but it wasn't until like months later that their people realized that oh it feels amiss because the placement of enemies feels wrong the law because the lore implications you get out of those enemies don't make sense when they're there. And that's why the Scholar of the First Sin came around where like they, you know, Miyazaki got more involved and was like, this should be here, this should be here, this means this. So remix all this stuff, put it all there. And then people are like, okay, now it feels a little closer. But I definitely do feel what you say about, you know, how much of it is like putting... That's one of the... I reviewed Sekiro and I was like so worried about whether I was... The thing that stressed me out was like, am I missing something? Is there something smarter happening here that I'm missing? Is there something, am I putting too much stock into what I'm seeing? And maybe I'm, because I believe from software, make these really smart games and really like nuanced narratives that aren't like overly explained. Am I putting too much of myself into expecting that from them and then giving them the credit for it? It is really, really tricky. And like, Mm -hmm. it was only like, three or four months later that I felt good about the score that I gave it, having played it maybe three or four times. And then I argued for it in game of the year and I felt good about that. But there is definitely that element of, are you reacting to just the reputation more than what it actually is? And yeah. Is there any way that you could be disappointed by the Steam and Souls remake? I, I, I think I definitely could. So immediately the things that I'm picking up on is it looks quite different the atmosphere i said is super important but you can see the this the section with the night if you look at the original and you look at the one that has been remade the mood is different because of the lighting 
So the Bluepoint blue are amazing at making games look fantastic, and it looks like it's got like modern lighting and HDR, and and there's like, but because of it, it it looks when you go there the, in the original Demon Souls, it feels oppressive. It feels like you're being funneled into a corridor, and then when a giant knight with a shield appears, you're like, oh my god, how do I fight this? I have nowhere to move. It's dark. And it's, you know, like restrictive and I feel like I can't breathe right now. But then you look at the one in the remake and it's like way brighter. You can see, almost see the paths that you need to take to make this fight a little more doable. Um, so there's certain things I'm worried about in terms of how does improving the visual fidelity and remaking it impact the mood of the game and the atmosphere of the game. But there, there's also stuff like you can see like extra details in the background like in that night scene for example you can make out ivy vines on the on the walls and that kind of speaks to oh like the, you know nature is somewhat prevalent in this area which is wasn't immediately um kind of visible in the original game and then there's stuff that is like fan speculation where they show to start the uh, uh the trailer it's like an icy area icy mountain area there was originally a, an area which was like the frozen north so where you'd go to fight the giants and various other enemies that was entirely cut so i'm like they they might be reintroducing that stuff and if they were it would be wholly blue point making new content for the game i was gonna I'm say saying, that's wild like talk, we talked to blue point last year and about shadow of the colossus and there was a bunch of stuff about cut colossi and they were like Mm-mm, mm. we wouldn't touch that stuff um wouldn't yeah. put it back in so but if they're doing that for demon souls that's wild yeah because i mean like the only reason people are kind of speculating that it might be happening is because blue point like it's all it's, it's in a pinocchio situation where everyone wants it to be a real boy and make their own game and this is like kind of people are like maybe this is what they'll do they'll make a unique piece of content for demon souls um i i fully expect that uh, that that's just like a a nice nod to the original because there was like mm. a short section of an icy area shown in the original Demon Souls opening. So I think it was just that, but um, there is speculation that they might introduce new content. And I'm not saying I'd necessarily be disappointed by it, but there is potentially for a, a, an opportunity for it to be like, oh, this kind of sucks, it shouldn't have been in here. But I'm treating it as its own game. The original Demon Souls still exists for me and I still think it's incredible. And if I really desperate want to play it i can make that happen via money and buying all the older stuff but, um, <laughs> <laughs> i don't know if that was a humble brag or yeah i'm like giving up a little bit uh, yeah it's, it's only because i realized that my ps3 is not in this country so i don't have to buy a new one oh, all jokes aside the way that you speak to demon souls and the soul series is pretty fascinating in a way that i've not been compelled to think or reflect on it in any way um, thank you so much. So thank you, because no one on this team could have done that so eloquently <laughs> as he just did. Now let's talk about Sherlock. <laughs> yeah. so, get, get this demon souls bullshit bullsh- snark out, <laughs> out of. Can we talk about bug, bug snacks instead? No, we cannot because I did not pull a trailer bug, bug for Bug snacks. Bug snacks is kind of like, like how you have your Sherlock thing. I have bug snacks. <laughs> no, you don't. Yeah. I'm a bug snacks guy. Stop trying to make yourself the bug snacks guy. It's not going to happen. That's, that's what they've been saying around the office. It was no. Adam, the bug snacks guy. He loves bug snacks. No, Who's Adam, on the bug no. snacks beat? Yeah. You got, you got yeah, that yeah. bug snacks beat. The bug snacks beat. I don't remember the song. I forgot the song. It was oh. a walrus and I have, it looks like a living nightmare. I've been Some singing more. it for like two days. Bug snacks. It doesn't like my roommates are doing the same thing all the time. Sometimes someone will just go bug snacks and we all just chime in. 
It's Song of the Summer. Hell yeah. <laughs> I'm convinced. Uh, but yeah, uh, enough of Demon Souls. No one wants to hear about that. Sorry, Tam. Fair enough. Jog on. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, sorry. I try to relate to you guys. Do they? I was going to say, do they say jog, jog on here? Yeah, jog on. I was like, just processing jog on, it. Is, that's not an American thing, is it? No, it, it's not. I only know it from Hot Fuzz. Well oh, yeah. played Hot then. Fuzz. Very well yeah. played. I like it. Um, I tried to relate to you guys. <laughs> Before we it. get to the real hotness, Sherlock Chapter 1, time for a word from our sponsor. ExpressVPN is a software that I and thousands of our viewers use every day to protect our data online. Hacking methods are growing even more sophisticated, and I'm sure many of you working from home these days are without your IT department to protect you from online threats. So it's important that you take action on your own to secure your devices you use for work. That's why we recommend using ExpressVPN for the best online protection possible. We've been talking about ExpressVPN on this show for so long now that you already understand why encrypting your network data is so important, but some of you still haven't acted. Uh, Why is that? You might be thinking that security threats don't affect you personally, but not using ExpressVPN is like leaving your front door unlocked every time you go out. Sure, nothing might happen for years, but when a break-in does happen, it can be devastating. One of the easiest ways to secure your internet data is with ExpressVPN. You click one button on your computer or smartphone and you're protected. So my only question now is, why haven't you gotten ExpressVPN yet? You can visit our link right now at expressvpn.com dude and get ex- an extra three months of ExpressVPN for free. So protect your internet today with the VPN we trust to keep our data safe. That's expressvpn.com dude, D-U-D. Thank you, ExpressVPN. Anyway, back to the real games for real gamers. <laughs> Sherlock Chapter 1, Frogwares, they've got the IP. They came, they came out strong a few weeks ago. And they yeah. said, you thought we were dead? No. We're back. We sunk that city. Does the back. world own yeah. the IP? Like, it's, oh, yeah. It's, it's public domain. The city mm-hmm. sank so Sherlock could, could rise with buoyancy. <laughs> Why is he so hot? Why does he look like Brandon Urie from Panic at the Disco? <laughs> Why is he... Take his shirt off and solve crimes? Like He's 21. He's oh, 21. This is young he's, Sherlock? Oh, yeah. He's, he's, young he's young Sherlock. He's investigating the death of his mother. He's not in England. He's in... Oh, the Mediterranean. He's in the Mediterranean. Exotic. Why is he so hot? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I think that's a great name for a game. Sherlock Holmes in Panic at the Disco. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but, like, he's I assume this is pre... This is pre-Watson. It's... It's pretty um, a lot of things. Yeah. It's pretty a lot of things because he is 21 years old. Pre-heroin addiction. Yeah. He's pre, um, who are those little lads that he's got running around? His boys. Um, the boys. Oh. Sherlock and the boys. Oh, they should have called it Sherlock and the boys. That would have been a day one purchase. Oh, yeah. But How, how do they keep releasing six of these a year? They I, don't, Adam, first of all. How Why does it always feel like that then? They're always coming out with new Sherlocks. <laughs> Because that was the old one. That was Crimes and Punishments, which was what, 2017? 14. 14. 14. Yeah, a long time ago. Mm-hmm. Are you serious? I thought it was like 2017. Yeah. Because Devil's Devil's Daughter is the one you're thinking of, Lucy. That's that, was that one. Like yeah. 2018, mm-hmm. maybe 17. And that's when Sherlock started looking like John Hamm. And like, they, oh, I don't I thought, know how. Because it, it changed the developer, and I was like, and that's when Sherlock decided to make games. Yeah. Wait, so who's who's the villain in this one then? I assume whoever killed his mother. 
the death of a mother. I yeah. think. Mm. But uh, I don't know. Polio. But Frogwares is sort of taking what they've learned from Sinking City and applying it here because it's where they have prom- they're promising us a new open concept world mm. with global investigation gameplay. Yeah. You like can, apparently you can, you can just down. ask people for directions and you can get people involved, um, NPCs and stuff involved in your investigation. Yeah. You can ask them like directions to places and yeah. stuff. And this is a PS5 exclusive? You're that's that's what you're saying right now, Elise? I feel like many platforms will be clamoring to get this on yeah. their console. This is a day one purchase for Elise and, and I. Switch. <laughs> that's fine. I, I think it's great that they're making a game for you thirsty ladies. That's cool. <laughs> I only say that's that because I cannot stand the Sherlock TV show. I'm like, not a huge fan either. And I, I feel it's sacrilegious that. as a British person to say that, but it is awful. <laughs> I can take it or leave it, really. Yeah. What's the what's the one with the boomerang? That was later on. There was an episode of the boomerang, and I was like, "This is no, I'm out." I don't, I don't think I've caught up to boomerang. I need. Think I, it was I always forget four. that shows on, but as James always points out, it's more like a movie each episode because it's an hour yeah. and a half. Yeah. There's yeah. that there's that one episode where he's in a mind palace, which is, oh no, he does that and he just sits and goes. Yeah, and it's like unwatchable. Like that's if you <laughs> yeah. wanna if you wanna never watch that, just watch that one scene, Sherlock it's Holmes' really Mind bad. Palace, and it's one of the most awful scripted, edited, acted, written things in existence. Like, wow. oh, H. H. Bomber guy did that's an amazing. incredible. I think it's like two hour long video about Sherlock, and it's really good. Sherlock oh, is not. But H Bomber Guy's video is excellent. Who, who did the video? I already H Bomber Guy. I will send you a link after this. Okay, um, yes, please. It is because he, he starts off with sort of this measured. Um, here's the things I like about Sherlock, and then that lasts for <laughs> five minutes, and then he's like, "All right, let's go into it." And it's just yeah, some of the stuff that he points out is I didn't even notice when I watched it, and now I just can't go back. The boomerang, though, that's the. <laughs> the real watch like if, if they say enough smart words yeah. quickly and with a British accent, I think it's smart. So. <laughs> that, that's the thing. I've been fooled. That's why people haven't cottoned on to Tam and I. We just say a lot of things in a <laughs> British accent. Long yeah, words sometimes. Like, oh. Yeah. Oh. That whole everything I said <laughs> about Demon Souls there yeah. made no sense <laughs> whatsoever. It's a hard. <laughs> you were like, it's a hard yeah. game. <laughs> so many, so many smart words those people said. Wow. <laughs> Yeah, I wish we could see the, the the filter through which Adam and I see the lens, and then mm. the the original, which is just you like yeah. screaming at a pigeon. It's like when you see well, Elise and I sound like cavemen, probably. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Yes, yeah, so I'm like sure, me play Sherlock. Yeah. <laughs> me have fun. Amy. Yeah. Self crime. Amy. <laughs> Amy, love demon souls. <laughs> well, I I pivoted the conversation to Sherlock because when I asked uh, Lucy and Tam for the games that they were really hyped about, I noticed that my list diverged a bit from theirs, except when Lucy put Sherlock on hers, and it kind of <laughs> yeah. kind of wrapped it back around together. Well, and I want to after the Demon Souls talk, I wanted to take some of Tam's hubris down a bit. Um, <laughs> yeah. but, but Actually, they do call me Tamoriati, so oh, oh my god, please oh my god. no. <laughs> Who's they? <laughs> Who's me, they? Me, me looking in a mirror. Yeah. He has a Google Doc of these, by the way. Oh my god! Well, let's I, talk I've about got, Ghost Runner I, now. Yeah. You get you get Ghost your Ghost Runner, Runner now, Tam. Uh, yeah, which Ghost Runner oh, yeah. we had already seen. We 
we had to mm. Funhouse play the demo that was Ooh. available on Steam. But then they, yeah. they showed it off again this weekend. It's from One More okay. Level and All In Games. It, it looks so cool. Dope. Yeah. It is, it is fun to play. It looks great. It's, it's cashing in on that cyberpunk hype. So Very smart. Right <laughs> but it also hit, looks right. like it hits that um, the Titanfall 2. I, si- I specifically say 2. It reminds me of that factory level in Titanfall 2, which was so good. Mm-hmm. Um, it, just like fluid movement and also just looks cool as hell. Yeah. yeah for me, it's like Mirror's Edge. Like, uh, the, the Mirror's Edge demo, yeah. I played an ungodly amount of times. And I'm looking at this and playing the demo that I played. Um, and it has the same vibe to it, where I was like, mm. oh, I could just sit here doing the same thing over and over again, happily just shaving 0.1 of a second off each time. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, yeah. So I'm like super into that. I do wonder how it holds up over the course of multiple hours, though. That's going to yeah, be the true test it, of it. How it builds the building blocks of this game. Because you see them a little bit in the demo, where mm-hmm. you know things like the grappling hook get added and... Um, yeah, there's but, powers and it looks like you can you'll get reflections. It starts to get a bit more like Genji, sort of like Overwatchy. Um, hello, and also hello. Has a, speaking has our a, language. Has a, yeah, yeah. Oh, hey, there you go. <laughs> <laughs> but I, I mean, that's I, for, I forgot who said it. Someone said like the mechanics in Overwatch, almost any one of those characters could be in their own video game, which speaks yeah. to how well Overwatch has been done over the years. But uh, and like seeing the game where it's like basically it, all they have to say is you play as Genji. I'm like, cool. It looks like a good game. But mm. uh, Lucy's absolutely right. Like it, it feels like Titanfall or Mirror's Edge when like you're the free running. But then it has like a grappling hook system. And then just everything feels really good about it. And that was the demo that was fairly unrefined. Mm. So I'm just like, yes, more. And then, yeah, the Hotline Miami, like die, restart, die, restart. Just keep playing, keep playing until you get it right. Like, I, mm-hmm. I love it. It's yeah. I'm this. This is what I want in a video game. I want it to be a pure video game. Yeah, music yeah. is great uh, too. Yeah, great volt synthwave boppity boops. You know, going on in the eardrums, the old ear canals. Mm. It's good stuff. It's calling me. Um, so. Another game that I was pleased to see Tamor liked, and I'm I wasn't surprised after I thought about it too. And neither of you mentioned Persona Four Golden. I kind of like I forgot about that because it, it leaked. And I just sort of, when you said, can you throw some uh, games out that were at uh, Guerrilla and PC Game Show and stuff, I just didn't put two and two together that Persona was even there because we heard about it a week or so before, but also one of the greatest games of all time. Yeah, well, the game that I was was like, oh, this is probably also, it makes sense that it would be up the alley of both of you because I feel like it's a a vibe that you'd both be into is Paradise Killer. Mm -hmm. Um, It's a murder mystery, but it's got like a weird, like weebish vibe to it <laughs> yeah i it's that I, I see exactly what you're saying it's like that it's got like the 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 persona 5 like upbeat and yeah. persona 4 like jazzy mm. vibe to everything like this this is like we're clearly investigating a murder but everyone yeah. looks like a Every character, character from jojo's posing. bizarre adventure yeah, yeah. And, and it's like well, what's going on and like i think the character's called like lady love die or mm-hmm. something like that oh. and you're like what's that all about who named you that? is love your first name or surname what's going on yeah um, i'm definitely into it um yeah. it's like part visual novel part exploration mm. part uh point and click it feels like i feel yeah i feel like now more than ever it is mainly because of persona the franchise and like shin megami tensei like I, it's it's going to sound weird, but like I'm looking for games that can almost make me obsessed with like 
the aesthetic for a really long time. Like, I don't mm. mind if a game's like okay, but like if it's if if I'm gonna be thinking about the soundtrack for a really long time or like the visual style for a really long time, I really that's what I love about Persona Four, Three, Four, and Five. It's like I played those games, enjoyed them, but then like I listen to the soundtrack forever, still do. Mm. Like anytime I see that style of like art, oh, I'm like excited by it. So I'm kind of looking for those. Sounds weird to say, but like a game to define my my lifestyle and art and the things the aesthetic that I'm into for the next year or so. Yeah. Um, and that very much was Persona 5, like for the last year and a half, two years. Um, and that's why so Tam I, turned up to work wearing like school uniforms. Yeah, yeah, that's the only thing I do. And then like halfway through the day, I'll, I'll turn into like a, a thief costume wearing a long yeah, leather jacket. Yeah, I've got a mask on. I'm just like running around rooms, hiding behind plant pots constantly. I believe it. I believe it. I'm always looking for a, a 999 or Danganronpa substitute, which mm-hmm. I don't think that this is like exactly, but I do think like the mystery aspect, if there's a race against time aspect, yeah. it's definitely going to have that. Um, there was another game that I was surprised to see you. I, I mean, I guess maybe now I'm not surprised. I don't know, but Vampire the Masquerade Bloodlines 2. Oh, yeah. Uh, the that's ori- cool. Yeah. Incredible. Like the first game is almost impossible to play at this point um i remember when i played it after the fact i played it a long time after its release um on pc and i had to jump through some hoops to even get that thing working but i think i remember playing it because i was on an rpg kick and i wanted a world to escape to and and have like a bioware vibe to it Mm -hmm. um and i think that's what the original vampire had in there it had this really fascinating exploration or of a, of a vampire community in LA was it I think like it was an American city um and this... and it was bizarre and like I remember I don't remember the it's like what you were saying at least like I, it made I remember how it made me feel more than what I did in the game and I remember playing that game and feeling like I was stuck in in that world like there was a seedier element to to this LA that I was seeing and you'd walk around at night and it felt kind of dangerous and it felt kind of like you were at any moment you could be set upon by a gang of vampires and have to talk your way out of it and it's one of the few games that I feel like um, that does vampire fiction super well and it's because it doesn't try and make a gimmick out of it it just creates these like factions and this Mm. this society that you that is there and has always existed and is familiar and has touch points but actually it's incredibly dark and there's a lot like of, weird shit happening a lot of games that try to broach vampire genre can feel really cheesy mm. so like the way yeah. the way i think about it is like it made me feel like if i was in a city for the first time and the only way back to the hotel or my home was like through a dark alley like that sense of apprehension that you get when you're like i've got to walk through this alley to get where i need to and i don't know what could happen in there that's the kind of feel and mood that i got from that game it's like around every corner is like, ah, is this is this a good idea to talk to this person or not? Should I say this? I don't really show. I'm not really sure. Like, if I upset this faction later on down the line, will they be angry at me? And it's just like that kind of like on edge RPG mm-hmm. feel. Made me want to watch The Lost Boys again. It's and it yes. very much uses it's that kind of vibe. Yeah. But I don't know what this game is like. Every time they show it off, it's very action focused, and it. And it, I keep mistaking it for the darkness because they also have that world oh, of man. darkness thing. Uh, is but that like, ever coming uh, back? Darkness 2 was so. good, man. I, I don't know. I mean, 
that that sequel was so short. It was like a four yeah. hour game. That was kind of yeah. unfortunate. I remember having I, so I remember, much fun with it, but like, yeah. I, I, I mean, this is this is a real through line of this conversation that none of us can remember stuff. But I do not remember what the hell that was about. I remember liking it. I remember the Jackie. time of my life. The darkness. Jackie. Yeah. yeah top, that top that, based that on deep. the Top Cow comic series. Yeah. yeah. I yeah I never because I didn't play the first Darkness. I only played the second one. Yeah. Um, but because uh, it came to I think it was like we had a review copy and they're like, who wants to play it? I'm like I, I guess I'll play it. And they, I know mm. they changed the style and stuff, but. It wasn't saying, like the, each limb controlled by a different shoulder button or yeah, something. Yeah, you could like manually yeah. swing your limb, yeah. your darkness limbs. But like that's <laughs> what this, your darkness limbs. Um, but that's what this Vampire the Masquerade currently looks like. And that's not what I want from it. So I'm hoping yeah. that they right. show off like more conversational, more exploration style stuff where it's just like figure out the RPG these aspect. Gangs. Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I remember that was because the game got a lot of hype. In the beginning, because it was the first Source game, I want to say that came out before Half Life Two, the the new Source engine that they were touting, and then Half Life Two got delayed, and everyone's like, "Well, this Masquerade game, Vampire game, has the Source engine. It was kind of janky, and like everything said, and everyone danced weird and mm. all that weird stuff." But it, it it did like it garnered this cult following. So it's like mm. I'm I'm I never played it. I don't know if I ever will. Maybe we'll do a. I don't it, I don't know if it's even worth us to do a silly I, like gameplay video on it, but. I, don't know I think well there's a couple aged. mods. There's a couple mods that improve it, but I feel like you could get a good feel for the atmosphere, even though the graphics will obviously look dated. Another kind of touchstone mm-hmm. that just popped into my mind is like you know the club scene from Blade, where oh, yes. where mm-hmm. it, it feels mm-hmm. kind of like gross and oppressive. It has that vibe yeah. to it at points as well, where you're like, eh, I don't, I feel kind of dirty being here. So in in that scene, there's only like one guy, right, who's not a vampire. So they threw that entire rave for the one dude and they're like, gotcha. And then Blade shows up to save one guy. <laughs> I think I'm not sure if I remember that scene correctly. It's been 22 years. So uh, anyway, I, I, I think Blade. you're right. I think you're, I love those movies. I think they're incredibly <laughs> underrated. I think they're rated just fine. <laughs> <laughs> it's got some of the best Wesley Snipes lines. I'm a huge Wesley Snipes fan. Um, uh, <laughs> no one says that. Tax, tax uh, dodging, not yeah. yeah. to- tax, totally, tax dodging. Total, totally, totally somewhat unrelated. Uh, but what we do in the shadow season two just finished. And oh, it's so good. Yeah. I was, I was just... I was just speaking to my roommate um, about that. And she was like, yeah, there's a bit where they talk to Wesley Snipes. And I was like, excuse me? They do what? Oh, oh. Where can I watch this? That. But that's actually really? that was the that was the thing that got me into it was when they said how it's it is sort of connected to everything. I was like, oh okay, mm-hmm. I, and you watch the show and yeah, yeah, it doesn't really impact it. But the second season is so good. It's great. I remember loving the movie, and I just I don't know why I didn't watch the show before. But there's, now they're all, there's a little, it's all nothing but time. Yeah, there's a little bit of a barrier <laughs> where in the first episode they're making a lot of jokes that are akin to the jokes from the movie, and you think, okay, well. Mm-hmm. Is this a retread or is it going to establish it to be mm-hmm. something unique and original? It does get past that hurdle yeah. like fairly yeah, quickly yeah. and then establish well, its own voice and jokes and characters. And it's great. And, and like we all we love Matt Berry, I think, more than most people. And I know he's he, he's probably not as appreciated in the States as I know he is in the UK. Oh, yeah. And like it, it sort of like hurts when you know he can carry an entire show like Toast of London oh, yeah. and or uh, or Dark Place. And I mean, he's kind of more of a side character in Dark Place, but regardless like he's kind of rehashing old jokes but then once they get over that like at least yeah. over that hurdle and matt let matt barry be matt barry and mm-hmm. the show's amazing so. 
I always forget that you guys like Matt Berry. That's such a weird... In terms of British cultural touchstones that have made it over here, Matt Berry is not one that I expected. Especially not Toast of London, too. Well, Toast of London... uh, I feel like, you know, IT crowd is maybe the the main one where it's like, oh... (laughs) He's in, he's in this, and then what we do in the shadows. But stuff like Snuffbox or Toast of London, yeah. I feel like, are just if you're looking for them on Netflix, you might find them. You'll find them. Yeah. What is? Uh, maybe I'm misremember- misremembering this, but I think it is Matt Berry. Lucy who has the answer to this. What's that BBC show we watched? Murder in Successville. Was it? Murder in Successville. The one we watched. That's the Jews. one. Yeah, is, it's not is... Matt Berry, but it's similar, and you guys will love it. It's um, is that like, like a an, period piece? It's an improv, and it's, uh, what is he? He's a detective, and he just gets yeah, celebrities yeah. in, and they're fed. And I know, they're just given the scene, and they just have yeah. to run with it, and they record for, like, hours, but then they make a story of it. It's really good. There's it's, one... It's, like, hilarious. But they have other, ca- other actors pretending to be famous people. So they have, like, a guy <laughs> just pretending to be uh, Gordon Ramsay, just doing a really terrible impression, but he's... Gordon Ramsay. Yeah, I've done like a terrible the, job at selling that. But it's very funny. It's 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 like it is improv where everyone takes it deadly serious. They pick a celebrity who is clearly incapable of staying in character and figuring what, out what needs to be done. But because of like that mismatch, everyone around them is like it's just so entertaining. And mm-hmm. like the reason they bring in like soundalikes or lookalikes to pretend they're celebrities is so they can work those celebrities into the story. So it could be like yeah. we're investigating the death of Gordon Ramsay. And like they like that's the whole conceit of it, and it is like escalating levels of weirdness. Where sometimes they do feel like they'll have a celebrity, like someone from you know the only way is Essex, or it would be equivalent mm-hmm. with like uh, Jersey Shore, and like they they're like in the middle of a a kind of like shootout, and they're being asked to negotiate with like the mafia boss, and they're being told oh, what to say. In but their, the mafia in their boss is Harry Styles, who's <laughs> yeah, played ma- by an overweight middle aged man. <laughs> yeah, exactly, and <laughs> it's, it's like. Good. It's escalating levels of ridiculousness yeah. that is like side-splittingly funny at times. Oh, you, you, you guys would love it. That sounds awesome. I, I had a BritBox subscription for a time, and then I was like, I, I, was need to, I need to get rid of some subscriptions. I can't have like 10 streaming services. Uh, but I feel like it's hard to find that stuff. The, the most recent series of him, of his that I wanted to check out, but I was like, I don't know. Like watching the trailer, I was like, this doesn't really speak to me. It was Year of the Rabbit, the period piece. I don't watch um, that. I didn't watch that. I didn't. Mm-hmm. I didn't pursue it because I watched the trailer and I was like, I don't know that it's. But I just googled it, then and it looks like the reviews are okay. Hmm. <laughs> it's weird because now we're in the same boat where we're not getting. Like my mum texts me about things I should be watching, and she goes, "Find it on iPlayer," and I have to explain to her every time I, that iPlayer I don't have does BBC not work iPlayer. over here. <laughs> yeah, there's a lot of stuff that like I'll yeah. I'll just see on Twitter where it's like you know, a radio play or something and it's on yeah. BBC iPlayer and I'm like, right, well, it's not available yeah. in my country. I guess I have to go to roosterteeth.com. <laughs> <laughs> See whatever's there. Uh, I think we have time to maybe talk about one more game. I'll let you guys choose. There's um, Goodbye Volcano High, Lake, Gory Cuddly Carnage, Wolfstride, Haven, Twin Mirror. Tam? Um, honestly, like, I think, uh, they're all kind of, they're kind of like 
just games that I'm interested in, seeing yeah. how they pan out. They're less like obvious, obviously something I'm definitely going to check out. Like Gory Cuddly Carnage is just because it's got a cat in it it. and it's kind of like a weird platinum game style thing like it starts off with a cat holding a snowboard i think and then jumping out of a spaceship and suddenly it's like using the snowboard to to attack loads of enemies in a way that looks devil may cry slash bayonet ish but like the cat is always got realistic cat sounds (laughs) so like it looks in the camera and it's not like hey i'm a cat it's like (laughs) meow and you're like oh that's that's adorable and like See, this is this is all I need yeah. from a game. Yeah. This is pretty it's, fantastic. <laughs> it's been a great few days for just cats in games. What was that yeah, one from yeah. the PlayStation? <laughs> Stray. Uh, Stray. Stray looks yeah. awesome. Yeah. yeah. I know nothing yeah. about it, but that does some awesome, great world building that they're doing. For yeah. It. Yeah, like, I, I tweeted about this, but like, I'm so happy that cats are finally getting some respect from video games. Like, it's, <laughs> it's, it's like I've been tweeting about. I can't remember where that phrase came from. Attack and dethrone God. It was in some sort of like political thing but i've been tweeting attack and dethrone dog for ages now because i want cats to i want cats to you know get their time in the spotlight in video games i'm fine fine with blinks the time sweep had his chance and he (laughs) blew it that idiot uh no we've been building uh, up to a cat revolution recently like final fantasy 7 remake usually it's like oh there's a dog in this game can you pet it Mm. yes you can pet it and then everyone in the xbox press conference crowd like cheers like yay yeah. we can pet the dog <laughs> they'll, they'll cheer for anything it doesn't matter they're just yeah. going to be there it's like a but, crowd at bethesda Ugh. oh screaming I, bethesda lady what's yeah. she doing yeah. now i mean they, they, we, they have to have been high or drunk or something I, right? I i tweeted about that once i was like that whoever however much she's getting paid she needs to get paid more and then i had multiple people from bethesda like getting on my case about oh, it like, really? how dare you how dare you act like she's a plant i was like come people on, love fallout yeah. 76 like, that's okay, what it so. was i was like you're telling me there's a middle-aged lady screaming at fallout 76 like, uh, I'm willing to believe someone likes Fallout, but Fallout 76, you know, that's a sell. I, I don't I don't want to tell people what they can and can't like. I am just suspicious when there's yeah. things that yeah. are what I, I have. I, my understanding is they are universally hated. It. I have a hard time believing someone got onto a plane, flew to L.A., sat for hours to scream about a game they could go home and play already. Well, so <laughs> con- conveniently next to a camera, too. Yeah. yeah. And maybe she was like the premier Fallout fan or she was on bath salts. We may never know. <laughs> we may never know. Uh, I guess Bethesda's not doing doing another press conference, huh? No. So we won't. Maybe this next year. Sucks. This year sucks. This year's so weird. There, hate, there are some more I, digital you know things in the pipeline. I'm, I'm, go, I'm, I'm saying this. I'm saying it. I'm going on record. 2020 sucks. Okay. Oh, wow. Damn, I'm, glad, I'm just glad someone finally said it, you know? Yeah, Gold. finally I'm, someone said it. I know you've been waiting for me to do it, but I'm here to F Look. this year and it's B. Adam with the hot takes. 2020 sucks. Just got that meme of like, who's it? Like Eric Andre? Like, uh, how could you say something so bold yet controversial? Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, what is it? The Marge Marge Simpson. He shouldn't say it, but he's right. (laughs) Thank you. Thank you. I was doing a uh, digital press conference now. uh, I I would still tell people to look under their seats. I'd be like, at the end I go, and now we want everyone to look under their seats. I feel like there hasn't been a good one of those for a while. And, every, and if everyone looks under their seats. Because the, wasn't the there that one, one year it when was, everyone it got was, an Xbox or something? Yeah, like it was 2012. Like 2000, 
2010 or 2011. I, I, I think I was there or one of our guys was there and they're like introducing the new Xbox Elite or whatever. Mm. And you're all getting one. We never got ours. <gasps> just, wow. Yeah. So, I remember getting I mean, a year of PS Plus when yeah. they first, yeah. I remember that from E3 once. The wild irony of all this is we reached the point before like um, uh, the great collapse of 2020 where everyone was kind of looking at each other and going, I think we're ready to move on from live events and press yeah. conferences. Everyone mm-hmm. else agree? Mm-hmm. And everyone's like, yeah, 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 yeah. Cut to now. We're like, please bring them back. Give yeah. us those live <laughs> events, please. Like this is... Or at least they have the option, I guess. Yeah. I guess. Yeah. yeah. I, I do miss E3, yeah. though. I didn't think I was going to miss it. I knew it was going to go away one one day, but it hurts. It really hurts. This is a, this is a show I've been following mm-hmm. for I don't know, 15 years, 20 years, something like mm-hmm. that. I don't know. Snuck in for my first time when I was 16. Like, man, it hurts. Yeah. It hurts. Yeah. My Facebook memories for the last week, two weeks have all just been E3 stuff. Yeah. Like, <laughs> I know. It's it's usually like the one time that you see everyone. Yeah. yeah. I think that's a huge part of it. Um, like, I didn't go to Tam. No, you didn't go either to Gamescom last year. That's similar, but it's like, if E3 is the time where you see all your American friends, Gamescom is when you see all your European friends. Mm. Um, I think, yeah, missing two big shows. Like, it's a very first world, pro- like, yes. games person problem to have, yeah. for sure, um, in light of everything else that's going on in the world. But, it, like, yeah, yeah. It's, a, it's a weird year. But I think everyone has also come together and done some really cool things. Like, we're doing our event. IGN's got theirs. Like, Future yeah. Gorilla. We're getting to chat to you guys on here, you know, like yeah. you're coming on our stuff. And do you guys want to shout out your event before we, we end soon and tell people sure. what it is and how they can watch? Tam, yeah. So um, Lucy, myself, and Chastity have been booking guests, but the event as a whole is called Play for All. So originally we were doing it to kind of make the world feel a bit smaller in the gaming community because everyone feels isolated right now and we wanted to raise money for um healthcare workers who are at the front line of battling covid um and you know need ppe and that kind of stuff and we partnered with direct uh, relief to do that so we are still doing that but in the weekend before launch obviously this the stuff with george floyd happened and then the black Lives matter protests happened and it felt right for us to, in that moment, also include our support for Black Lives Matter. And so we're raising funds for both uh, Direct Relief and um, Black Lives Matter um, on uh, GameSpot with daily streams, charity streams. And we've lined up a bunch of guests. Uh, we're going to have um, you guys on as well soon. But we know we're playing with, you know, today was the voice actor for um, Alex in Call of Duty. Um tomorrow and then we've got like podcast hosts and guests and people that we either know like or have always wanted to do things with um just inviting them on and being like hey guys do you want to come and stream games with us or just chat with us for a bit and raise money for a good cause and as lucy was saying like people have been so warm and welcoming to that stuff so we have daily live streams going from 12 till 2 pt Um, and we'll have guests on and do cool things. And then we're doing around-the-clock coverage of all the E3-style things that people might be missing and doing announcements and that kind of coverage. So if there's a press conference happening, like the EA one coming up or uh, Xbox One in a couple of weeks or months, wherever it may be, we'll have pre- and post-shows and that kind of stuff. So the usual business. We just wanted to take the opportunity to do the normal thing where we cover an E3, but try and put something 
good behind it as well and raise money for causes that really need it and would really benefit from it so that's that's our kind of event play for all you can go to like gamespot.com and see that um schedule there or you can just follow find one of us on twitter anyone from gamespot is always tweeting about it so yeah come join us i think that's fantastic and really cool that you guys are doing that and uh yeah and make sure to follow gamespot for all the continuing coverage of all these digital conferences competition we are cover we are streaming live <gasps> streaming reactions on thursday ourselves to ea so we are direct competitors hey, hey i will I, I, I always i always watch you guys yeah. stuff straight after like after i did we did our one i watch kind of funny's uh, one i watch your stuff i watch like if i when do you uh, sleep RKG, i don't need to <laughs> sleep it's fine oh my god uh, well thank you guys i i'm so glad that you guys did the show thank you we love you Thank you. Can I oh, say that? So nice. Yes. Can I, well, CBS, I'm, I mean, it's, it's CBS I'm, I'm, and Warner, you know. I mean, <laughs> I don't oh, know good point. This. Two conglomerates. But, uh, two conglomerates. Yeah. What is it? Um, like the Romeo and Juliet of the huge media mm. companies. Clash of the Titans. Is it? Yes. I don't know. It's very weird we, uh, being a part of such a big family because we're not, sometimes I'm not even sure which brands are technically. Yeah. Same. Although they've started sending us links to like weird movies as part of this this kind yeah. of uh, we merge with via Viacom and now like they're like hey here's a Mission Impossible if you want to watch it like, <laughs> they no, gave us the first one <laughs> Daddy's Home Two the other day <laughs> oh man specifically the second one yeah <laughs> all that's, we get is Doctor Sleep darn yeah that's <laughs> Free to watch now. We're not free to watch, but available to watch now. Oh, well, thank you guys again. I better wrap it up because I'm going to say something I'll regret. Um, but yeah, no, we love you guys. And, and yeah, yeah. so tune into their daily coverage at GameSpot. And we'll hopefully talk to you again soon. Yes, please. Thank you. Love thank you. you. Bye. Love you. Bye. Bye.